I want you guys to know you're loved. You're loved. If you're watching online, I want you to know that you're loved. I, I was this, this morning I was thinking about a guy that's on my heart, and um, I just sent him a text. Hey, man, I want you to know I was praying for you, and you are loved. So when we talk about love, you know, it's more than just a, an emotion or a feeling, right? It's, it's, it's something more than that. We, we've been unpacking this over the last few weeks. You know, we realize that love is action. Love is prayer. Love is forgiveness. I mean, love is so many things. So it's not just a warm fuzzy or a feeling. It is it's more than that. It's an action. It's a commitment. Uh, it's a surrender. Um, it's a change of mind. It's being transformed, our mind being transformed, and us going, you know, God, I want to I wanna see people the way that you see them. I want to love people the way that you love them. And, God, I want to, I want to care about people. And so, you know, last uh, week, we, as we were kind of unpacking, you know, loving our neighbor, today I want to talk about loving ourselves. And, and this one may be a little bit difficult for some of you guys. Uh, you know, loving yourself sounds uh, selfish or self-centered or whatever. And, and really, we're going to see today it's, it's the opposite of that. But uh, I think some of us in this room, and maybe many of you that are watching online, oftentimes we struggle with loving ourselves. We, uh, maybe you walked in today or you're watching and you wrestle with insecurity like nobody. I mean, you are so insecure, and so you, you're constantly trying to, you know, fix that or patch that up or inflate you know, yourself in some way to, to overcome these insecurities that you battle because you don't really fully yet understand who you are in Christ Jesus. And, um, and so my prayer is today that you'll begin to understand the love of God so that you can love yourself in a healthy way, in a way that lines up with Scripture. And so that's my prayer for you today. And like I said, I want you to hear this, that you are loved. You're loved by God. He loves you, man, more than you could ever imagine, more, more than we could ever get our mind around. He, so you are loved. And so if you came in here today feeling like you weren't loved, that's a lie from the enemy. You are loved. And so hopefully as we unpack this today, you're going to see just a little bit more of how much God loves you. So we've been, we've been stepping out of Mark here, uh, chapter uh, 12, where we're talking about the, the most important commandment. And again, these uh, religious leaders, these people who made it all about religion, the Pharisees, Sadducees, you know, and here's the thing, I think they loved what they did. Uh, I'm just not sure how much they really loved God as much as they loved the rules and the regulations, it seems. And, uh, and that's being judgmental for me to say that, but that's just what the, the evidence that you see. It's kind of the fruit that you see, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so we have to be careful that we don't get the same way, that we just become so religious that we, we're all about the rules and regulations and the pattern or whatever that it's supposed to be or we think it should be. And we really go, you know, it's about a relationship with a God who loves me. It's about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's based on faith and it's a, it's a love relationship. It's a love relationship. And so we have to kind of get our mind around that. So these leaders were trying to test Jesus and, and uh, they had asked questions. And, and one guy heard how Jesus replied and he kind of liked what he, what he asked. And so he asked the question, what's the, what's the most important commandment? And so Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, to listen, O Israel, and it's going back to the Shema that we see in De Deuteronomy. And the, and the Jewish people would just go, all right, I, I know what he's saying. They, we, they do this every day. It says, uh, uh, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind, all your strength. We unpacked that a couple of weeks ago. And it's loving God with every ounce of our fiber. It's with everything, with my thoughts, with my actions, with my energy, with everything that I do, with what I've been entrusted with. Everything that I've got is for God's glory. It's, it's to make sure that, you know, it's about loving Him. And the more that I love Him, uh, the more that I realize, you know, that uh, how much God loves me. And, and the more that I love Him, I spend time in His Word, I spend time in prayer. 
And then Jesus said the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so to love your neighbor, we talked about that last week. And some ways to do that. What are some tangible ways to do that? It's not just that you look at somebody and go, hey, I love them. But what are some tangible ways to put that into action? And some of that is, is forgiving someone. It's blessing someone. It's giving to someone. It's being generous. There's a lot of different ways that we could we could do that. So loving your neighbor as yourself. So how do you love yourself in a healthy way? Because we're living in a very narcissistic society as much as any has ever been probably. You know, with all the selfies and the social media and everything is all about, you know, me and me showing you what I have done and all this stuff. And, you know, social media can literally become brag boards, right? It's just about bragging sometimes rather than just sharing you know, and, and, and it's like there's this pressure, there's this tension that you have to do that or you're really not normal. You know, you have to do these things, you know, and we get the best of everybody. It becomes a, like I said, it becomes a brag board whenever it's really, you know, sometimes it's just a band-aid or it's covering up what's really going on. So the question we, we want to ask today is, should I love myself? And I think some of you have probably already asked that, like loving yourself. How do you love yourself without being selfish? How do you love yourself without being greedy? How do you love yourself, you know, without being you know, upside down spiritually with, in, in a relationship with God? How do, you, how do you do that? And so I want us to look at a couple things today as to, that I think might answer some of those questions. We can't genuinely love God and love others without genuinely loving ourselves. And so we have to understand that, you know, I, I really can't love other people because of my dysfunctions in my own self, because of my insecurities. I'll always try to find something wrong with somebody. I can't really see them the way that God sees them, love them the way that God loves them, if I'm always worried and living in fear and got this anxiety and all this tension and pressure inside of me that I'm not good enough, I'm not whatever, then I'm going to try to find that in someone else. I want to find what's wrong with somebody else to make me feel better about myself, which is really messed up. And I'll share with you guys, I grew up with some serious insecurities. And some of that was from, you know, statements from my dad or whatever, you know, or, or maybe just, you know, maybe things that I, lies that I believe that the enemy fed me. And I just kind of ate that up. And man, I began to think, you know, hey, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this, whatever. And I would wrestle with those things, right? And so whenever I became a believer at the age of 19, I began to understand God's word in a different way because the spirit, you know, inside of me began to bring the, the scripture to life inside of me. And so the more that I would read scripture, the more I would begin to understand who I was in Christ and that God had changed me and transformed me. I was a new creation. The old was gone, the new had come, right? And I began to walk in that. I began to believe that. I began to, you know, experience that. And so that, that those insecurities became more and more of a, confident in who I, a confidence in who I was in Christ, not in me, not in what I brought today. I knew how broken I was, you know, but the thing is, is, is who God is and what God is doing in me. You know, and, and so I've got to give credit to God and glory to God for what he has done. It's not anything I brought to the table. I was a wretch, right? You know, I was just saved by God's amazing grace. I was a wretch that was saved by God's grace. But yet he would work in me and I get to give him glory for what he's doing in me and through me. And so here's the thing, it, for all of us, we get to do that. We get to say, God, I don't have a whole lot to bring to the table, but here I am. I surrender my life. I give you everything that I've got. And it's not how smart I am. It's not how talented I am or how gifted I am. God, I just want to be your vessel. I just want to be your slave. It's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I, I just want to be here for you. So we can't really love God or love others without genuinely loving ourselves. And, and let's, let's kind of take a look at what that looks like. So selfishness and loving ourselves as God loves us are polar opposites. Selfishness is really about me being on the throne. Really, it's about me being, you know, in control. And sometimes 
that selfishness really is kind of trying to make God our slave. We're saying, hey, God, I want you to do what I want you to do. God, I want you to answer this prayer. God, I want you to do whatever. And all of a sudden, we're kind of inverting this. We're putting ourselves on the throne of our life. And we're saying, it's more about me than it is about God. And, and so that selfishness is like, hey, everything begins to point to me. I want the decisions to be about me. I want the glory to be for me. And that selfishness is the opposite of what God shows us. God shows that we'll come before him broken over our sin. If, you know, God desires a broken and contrite spirit, right? So when we come before him broken over our sin and we surrender our lives to him and we literally say, God, I, I give you everything. Then here's the thing. He's on the throne of our life. He is the Lord. He is the one that's in control, not us. And so selfish and loving ourselves as God loves are polar opposites. John three sixteen. for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So whenever we look at that text and we go, all right, all of us pro- have probably heard John three sixteen most of our life. You know, we've seen it on banners in football fields. We've seen it, you know, we, maybe we've got it memorized. You've got it hidden in your heart. You know, and so whenever you hear the lies of the enemy that you're not loved, you go, that's not true because God does love me. God may, God may hate the sin that I'm entangled in, but God loves me. And so maybe you need to hear that again today. God loves you. He, has a, he wants a relationship with you. He's, he's, he's given the very best gift that he can possibly give to redeem you. He, he sent his son to die for you. He sent his son, Jesus, to be uh, literally a sacrifice that would bleed out his precious blood to wash away your sins, your lying, your cheating, your selfishness, your self-centeredness. All of that he covered, right? And so he's died for your past, present, and future sins. So he is saying, hey, listen, I will wash you clean with the blood of my son. I mean, that, I mean, some of us go, that's crazy. But that's how much God loves us. So we have to know that God loves us. So if I'm a follower of Jesus and he loves me, I must follow his lead and love what? Myself, right? So if we, we claim, a lot of us would say, hey, man, I'm a Christian. But I really like the word follower of Jesus more than I like the word Christian. You know, Christian was like, hey, they're like Christ. They're like little, little Christians or whatever. Our Christians are like little Christ. And it's like him. And so that's a positive thing. But for many of us, man, Christian just becomes a tag. And in the South, especially where we live, you know, nearly everybody's a Christian. Say, man, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And, you know, and you can say, hey, what church do you go to? I'm like, oh, what is the name of that church? I can't tell you how many times I have asked somebody to invite them to church. Hey, do you have a church home? And they're like, oh, yeah, we go to, um, what is the name of that church? What's the name of that road it's on? I mean, they don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm, thinking, I'm not saying going to church makes you a Christian. But it's obvious they're not a practicing where they go to church. They gather with other believers, you know, probably not in a Bible study or a life group. But I'm sitting there going, you know, but here in the South, that's just what you say, right? It becomes a tag or a title or whatever. Like, yeah, that's what I am because that's where we are. And then there are some that are like, man, I am not that. And they go the opposite direction. And it's like, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. But they'll say there's something else. And so, but as a follower of Jesus, and if he loves me, then I've got to follow his lead. And so when we look back and we look at how Jesus lived, man, that he was willing to forgive those who nailed him to the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. And so if he can forgive, I've got to forgive. But if he can love me enough to die on that cross, then I've got to love me enough to honor him and to honor that death. Does that make sense? And so instead of trashing what Jesus loves so much, which is me and you, then we've got to go, God, help me to love my neighbor and then to love myself. And so the more that we walk in that, the more that we're able to understand his incredible love. First John 3, 1 John 3.1a says this, so, so what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, 
and that is what we are. And so for those of us that are in the room or those that are watching online that we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have surrendered our life to him. We said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. You're in control. And I, I want you to know I am so grateful and thankful for your gift of salvation that you offered to me. I know I can't earn it, but it's by faith. And it's, it's just God's grace. That's all it is. Faith in what you've done. I receive that gift and I want to live in such a way that honors you and glorifies you. And we look back and we go, it's because God has lavished this love on us that we want to live that way. We want to live differently. And so hopefully as we, as we look at passages like that, we go, you know what? I'm a child of God. Psalms 139, we're going to read a little bit of it here in a second, talks about how we're made. So we are a creation of God. But whenever we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we surrender our life, we become a child of God. We are adopted into his family. And, and here's the thing, you know, you may be able to have a, a child, you know, naturally by accident but to adopt one you're intentional you're intentional about what you're doing you're going after that child you want that child you're saying man i'm gonna do what it takes to to get that child i'm gonna sacrifice if need be And, and so we are made in the image of god this is something i think we need to be reminded about that we're made in the image of god and so to to sit here and look at ourselves and trash ourselves the way that we often do because that's what society shows and does and maybe that's what we've seen other people do and all of a sudden we become so down on ourselves that we just we just constantly trash ourselves we we have to remind ourselves we're made in the image of God let's go back to Genesis here it says then God said let us make human beings in our image to be like us I mean this is the Trinity sitting there this is Jesus the Holy Spirit you know and the Father said hey listen we're going to make them in our image let us make them like us they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then I love this in Psalms 139. So God created us, you know, he, he created us in his image. So let's look at Psalms 139 here. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. See, therefore, we are a what? We're a creation of God. So think about that. So in the secret, you know, the womb, the, the darkness, God literally shaped you and formed you the way that you are. He created you. He, he, he spoke you into existence. And so the thing about loving ourselves is beginning to understand, you know, that we are made in the image of God and we are knit together. We're created and, and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so the beginning, let me say it again, the beginning of loving ourselves is beginning to understand what Scripture says in Genesis all the way to the end of the Bible, that God loves me, He created me, man, he, he wants to adopt me into His family. And so for me to love myself is to go, you know what, God, I want to love myself the way that you say I should love myself. I want to see myself the way that you see me. But here's the thing, and we'll see it at the end, we have to keep that in balance, we have to keep it in check. But you made all the del- delicate inner parts of my body. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. So this is the psalmist writing. This is David writing, saying, you know what? It's marvelous what you've done. I mean, think about how complex we are. Every one of us have a unique eye. You know, you know if we did a retinal scan or whatever, something like that, everyone is unique, like a thumbprint or a fingerprint or a heart rhythm. You know, there's so many unique things about us. You can have twins, identical twins, but there's still something different about them. You know, it could be personality, it could be whatever. And and so it doesn't matter. We are all unique. God has created us. He has made us incredibly unique, intentional, right? On purpose. So thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know that. So just saying, God, thank you for how you made me. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Don't you love that? Before anything has passed. God, I mean, God knows everything about us. That's why we can't hide anything, right? And so maybe if you're sitting here today or you're watching online, you're going, you know what? You know, I struggle with loving who I am. I struggle with loving myself. And maybe it's because of things that happened to you. Maybe you have, you know, you feel like you have been trashed throughout life, you know, or whatever. And so you see yourself the way that someone has said that you are. But God's word says that you're more than that. You know, we're, we're more than conquerors. We're the apple of his eye. You know, he's willing to send his son to die for us. And there may be someone that has trashed you in life physically, emotionally, relationally, whatever it might be. But you go, you know what? That is not, they're not God. They're broken. They're messed up. You know what? And what they said was just lies that the enemy used for me to destroy myself. And so we've got to be able to say, God, I, I believe what you say about me. I believe what your word says. And, and so let's look at Romans 12. We talked about this uh, last week. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new ter- person by changing the way you think. You change the way you think, you change the way you live, right? And so the more that we go, you know, God, I want to, I want to listen to your word. I want to memorize your word. I want to memorize your scripture. And God, I'm, I'm going to read what you say about me. I'm not going to read what, you know, what someone else is telling me. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to apply it to my life. And I'm going to, I'm going to walk through this day knowing that I am your child. Knowing that I have a relationship with you. Knowing that, you know what, that I, I was thinking this morning, we were praying upstairs and I was praying and for whatever reason, t- today is one of those days where I just feel like there's peace here. And there may be some of you that, man, you have not experienced peace, but I feel like there's just peace here. That's the presence of God. I walked in the back door and I was talking to one of the guys at the door back there. I was talking to Philip and we were talking about what God did during just our prayer time last, last Sunday night. And we were talking about how God just showed up in such a powerful way. He goes, he's in there right now. He's like, man, it's going to be, God's going to do some powerful things this morning. And I just had chill bumps all over. I said, man, I said, how cool is that? You know, that God wants to meet with us. He wants to meet with you. He wants to, like that, he wants to tell you that he loves you. And man, he wants you to listen to his word and not the lies of the enemy that you've been listening to for so long. And I'll just say this. And sometimes the lies you tell yourself, you tell yourself stuff that does not line up with scripture. So we got to say, God, change the way that I think. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who wouldn't want that? To be in the center of God's will and to know what is good, pleasing and perfect, rather than the garbage that we're surrounded in sometimes. And so we've got to be willing to walk in that. The lies we're told by the enemy. I went back to uh, a couple of, last year or the year before, I taught a, a message on, on uh, you know, winning the battle of the mind. And, and this is just a couple of the lies, but I think oftentimes we, we buy into these lies. We hear these from the enemy and we believe them. Rather than what God's word says, we believe what the enemy is telling us and, and, and we buy into that. So this is just a couple of them that, that we, we often believe. We believe that I'm alone. We go, I'm, I'm all by myself. You could be in this room and you feel like you're all by yourself. You could be watching on TV and you say, Mike, there's nobody in the room but me. I'm alone. No, if you're a, if you're a follower of Christ then the spirit of the living God is living within you. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? So he's there wherever you are. I can remember telling a a family member one time, I said, you know, they were talking about how they would go to bars and stuff. I said, hey, listen, I said, if you are truly a believer, I said, it doesn't matter where you go. 
I said, Jesus is with you. I said, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, I said, and you, know, you, know, and you are putting a cigarette to your mouth, you put it into the mouth of Jesus. I said, if you drink that bottle of whiskey or I said, you drink that beer or whatever it might be that you're trying to get rid of that you say controls you, you're trying to pour that down the throat of Jesus. It's just a way of looking at it. And, and she told me, she said, you know, I've never forgot that because I realized every time that I did that, I was not alone. And I think it's good for us to remember that, right? When you crawl up in the bed with somebody, you're not alone. You've got Jesus right there with you. You know, that, hey, that's not your husband. That's not your wife. You know, you're not married to them or whatever. You got to go, you know what? That's, that's, that's not right. And I'm making Jesus be a part of that. He knows everything about us, right? And, and so we've got to go, you know what? I'm not alone. Jesus said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And then here's another one. I'm unlovable. I, I think a lot of times we end up going, you know, there's something wrong with me and I'm just not lovable. You know, I look back at every relationship I've been in and, you know, it always ends the same way. And oftentimes that's because there are some broken things in your life. And all what you do is you find someone else who is broken like you and like heat seeking missiles, you find each other and you go, you know, why do we always end up in dysfunction? Why do I always end up in relationships like this? Because we haven't dealt with some of the stuff that's going on in our heart and our mind. And, and we, maybe we think we're not unlovable. And so anybody that comes along will say, well, I'll just take them rather than going, God, I want to wait for your perfect situation, your perfect will. Like we talked about a while ago. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to understand that I am lovable. We go back to John three sixteen, right? I am lovable. God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. I am lovable. You know, God loved me so much that he would send his spirit to be within me, to walk with me, to guide me, to teach me, to counsel me. I am lovable. And then here's another one. I'm worthless. That's one of the most heartbreaking ones to me is because some people get to the point where they say, you know what? I have no value. I have no worth. I am worthless. And that's not what God says. God's word tells us that, man, he values you. He desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to be able to spend time with you in prayer. He wants to speak to you through his word and through situations and through wise counsel. He wants to be involved in the decisions of your life. You're not worthless. I mean, the God of the universe who spoke all things into existence, who created man and created woman in his image, wants a relationship with you. Get your mind around that. The God who is holy amen, and pure and is nothing but light, man, he wants to be part of your life. No matter how dark it may seem, he wants to be involved with you. And so he sees you as having worth and value. He cares about you. He loves you. I love this statement here. This is from Jenny Allen's book, uh, Get Out of Your Head. Um, and if you haven't read that, maybe you're one of those who you struggle with um, anxiety and depression. Or maybe you struggle with feeling uh, like you have any kind of worth or whatever. But look at what she says here. I love this. It says, Satan is invested in your defeat. And his primary target is your mind. His mental attacks catapult you into downward spirals as negative emotions drive your thoughts, decisions, behaviors, and relationships. And you live on autopilot, circling ever downward into dysfunction and misery. I mean, that's, that's a hard statement, but that's a pretty good description of what can happen. Let me, let me read it again. I want you to run past that. Satan is invested in your defeat. Does that sound like anything that we read earlier out of Scripture? See, God loves you. He is for you. He wants you to walk in victory, right? And so Satan is invested in your defeat. Understand that there is a real enemy. There's a real enemy who wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your value, your worth. Man, he wants you to feel like you're not loved, that you're alone. Because if he can isolate you and get you to believe the lies, then he begins to win in, in, in your life. 
And what we got to be able to say, God, I want you to change the way I think. I want, me, I want to think on Scripture. I want to memorize Scripture. I want to hide it in my heart that I don't sin against you, God. And I'm going to trust you because you have shown nothing but love. But Satan is invested and determined for me to lose. Satan is invested in your defeat, and his primary target is your mind. His mental attack catapults you into downward spirals and negative emotions drive you to, uh, to drive your thoughts, decisions, behaviors, and relationships. You live on autopilot, circling ever downward into dysfunction and misery. Who wants to live like that? Nobody, right? But let me just tell you this. There's a lot of people that live like that. Because they're not willing to, number one, prepare themselves. They're not willing to trust God completely. They're not willing to surrender. They want to fix it themselves. And they keep going back down that road. So 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life. So we talk about the, the impacts of stress and, and f- doctors talk about it all the time about, you know, what stress can do to you. And there are a lot of people probably sitting in this room watching online that battle stress. Maybe it's been a stressful week, a stressful weekend. Maybe stressful night last night. You know, I was just talking with someone outside about, you know, what happened this weekend. And, you know, and, and it was. It was probably a tough situation. But part of that story, I heard redemption in it. I heard about a life being changed. I heard about a life being saved. And I'm sitting there going, you know, God's at work, Right. God is at work in that situation. As tough as it might have been, God's at work in that. But what we often do is our thought life will cause us to literally become unhealthy because we are worried and we are stressed and we are you know, going through all these things. And we're going, you know, God, help me to think the way that you want me to think, not the way that I tend to go naturally. See, there are certain things that we just naturally do that go against what the Spirit is wanting us to do. And so I want to be Spirit-led, Spirit-filled. I want to be Spirit-guided in everything that I do. And so there are times, man, my flesh kicks in and I'm just tell you, I can look at what, if I do that, what I want to do in the flesh, it's going to have negative impact on my life and my relationships. If I do what the spirit leads me and what the spirit guides me to do, it's going to be nothing but positive in life for my family and for me. But oftentimes, man, because of the strong flesh that hangs on us, man, we want to go down that road. And we got to be willing to say, God, I want to deny myself. I want to die to the flesh. I want to be alive for the spirit. And so we've got to say, God, you know, change the way that I think. Change the way that I, I, I think and I'll change the way I live. It is when we cannot appreciate our own worth that we find ourselves driven to measure our worth by stuff. That sounds like the American dream sometimes. See, when I cannot appreciate my own worth, then I think I have to have the right clothes. I have to have the right car. I have to have the right degree from the right school. I've got, to, I've got to measure up in everybody else's eyes so that I have some worth. And we spend our lives sometimes trying to just get worth. You know, hey, like, I am somebody. I am something. I love that opening video that we've used because it'll say something like, do I have value? You know, do you see me? You know, and, and, and that's, that's the truth. That's what we're asking all the time. Hey, do you see me? Do you see what I did? I was telling somebody the other day, that there's, there's a person I know that Man, it, it doesn't matter what they do. They've got to put it out there like it's the best thing ever on social media. And I'm like, you know, it breaks my heart because I know what they're doing. They're, they're trying to cover up. They're trying to inflate their worth to everybody else so that they can hopefully feel good about who they are. And I want to say you're a child of the king. You know, you're, you're, you've been born again, supposedly. You're supposedly a believer. You don't have to do that. You just go, you know what, man, I'm a child of the king. And man, God has blessed me. And, and man, I'm thankful for these things. But man, I don't have to go, hey, everybody, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. We just say, hey, man, how awesome. Look at God. Look at what God can do. Look at who God is. Look at his son, Jesus, man. I mean, that's what we ought to be doing. But we're driven to measure ourselves by worth and our worth by stuff. 
So here's what we have to be careful about. Self-worship is sin. Self-worship is sin. And I'm just telling you, social media pumps that, pushes that. You know, and I know, you know probably not most everybody in this room is involved in some way. I don't care which platform you use. You can go there. But here's the thing. It, it can become self-worship. You know, and even if you don't have social media, you can find another way to do it. You can make it about self-worship. Self, self-worship is sin, plain and simple. Worshiping anything other than God is idolatry. If you worship a football team too much, that's idolatry. I know that's almost like, what, here in the South? But I'm just telling you, you worship anything more than you worship God, it's idolatry in your life. If you worship anything, period. If you worship anything, you can appreciate things, you can like things. But man, when you start worshiping, it, it becomes sin. And so if you worship your children, and let me just tell you, we live in a culture right now where it's all about worshiping your kids. There's child worship. You know, we think, well, we would, we would never do that. All you have to do is look at some of the bumper stickers and look at how you spend your money and your time. And you go, no, 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 we really do worship our kids. We look back in other cultures and, you know, we say, we would say, well, the kids were part of the worship, but what they were being done is they were being sacrificed back then. Now we sacrifice everything else to worship our kids. I know that kind of comes across as hard, but I'm just telling you, anything that we worship in place of God is idolatry. It can be a hobby. It can be a sport. It can be anything. It can be money. It can be a house. It can be a car. It can be your spouse. Anything that you worship instead of God is idolatry. And if we worship ourselves instead of God, that's idolatry. Be careful that you don't love yourself too much. We're supposed to love ourselves the way that God says. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, we can do anything too much, right? Like working out is a, a good thing. Exercise can be a good thing. Too much can be detrimental to your body, right? Eating is a good thing. Whenever you guys want to eat, man, you can eat. Hey, man, it's a good thing. Whenever you're hungry to be able to fill your stomach. But if you eat too much, it can be a bad thing, right? So anything can get, kind of get out of balance. We're to do things in moderation, right? We're to be balanced. And, and God talked about that. You know, we want to be balanced. We can take it beyond what God desires, that's in everything like work you know god blesses work and i don't know if you guys realize this and i know we're in a culture where nobody wants to really work nobody wants to have to go to work they want to sit home you know be able to wear pajamas from here down and just kind of do everything online i get that that's you know it's pretty convenient but the thing is is god blesses work god blesses work i mean we go back and we look in scripture you know we think you know that work is cursed work is not cursed the ground was cursed right but but god says he blesses work and he wants us to work but you know here's the thing we can become a what a workaholic we can become a workaholic. Anything can be can go go beyond what God desires. So we can take it beyond what God desires, and we have to be careful with that. So I love this passage here. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. I've shared this with my boys so many times through the years uh, because I want them to understand. Hey, listen, nobody likes anybody that brags. You know, we, we, we can brag on you. We can say, hey, man, you did a great job, whatever. You know, great hit, great throw, great whatever. But man, you don't have to tell everybody that. When you start telling everybody that, your stock goes down. You know, you're just like, hey, man, that's a, that comes across the wrong way. And, and it's part of it's because of Scripture, right? God says, hey, listen, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. And so if you've done something, people will notice. And we all need attaboys. Let me tell you, we all need someone to walk up and put their hand on our back and say, man, you know, you did a great job or thank you for what you do or whatever. I, I got an email this past week from a, a lady in our church that, man, just blessed my heart. And I said, hey, do you mind if I share that with our staff? Because it was such a blessing and such an encouragement. I wanted to share it with somebody else, you know, that was really about the church. It wasn't about me. And I'm sitting there going, how awesome, you know, that, you know, someone cared enough to speak that life over me. And I would just say that to you, you know, let's let someone speak life over you. You don't have to tell everybody how great you are. 
You know, you just tell them how great Jesus is. Tell them how great God is. Tell them how great the Word of God is. Tell them how great the Spirit of God is. Tell them how great it is to, you know, to see God, God's people change and transform. Talk about the things that give God glory. So let someone else. Now, I love the way the message says it here, uh, too. Or actually, 2 Timothy here. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last day, this, this is a strong teaching from Paul to Timothy. And so here, Paul is addressing this with Timothy. He said, hey, listen, in the last days. And I want you to think about what it looks like in the, in the last days here. So uh, here's the thing. If we're always having to inflate our values because we don't understand who we are in Christ. And we can go too far with that. And so Paul is writing about in the last days. He says, so you, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves. And when, as I read this, I want you to think about our culture and see if you feel like maybe there's some parallels there, if you will. So for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. I mean, that, that's, that kind of hit close to home, doesn't it? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I mean, so, so Paul is telling him, hey, man, stay away from people like that. Watch out because in the end days, it's going to be a little bit crazy. You know, we don't ever know. And I'll just say this, you know, everybody's always, hey, well, when's Jesus coming back? I don't know. Jesus said nobody knows but the Father. And so if you get around people that can always tell you when Jesus is coming back, they're liars. You know, they're liars. And they can say, well, I've studied the Scripture. I don't care what they've studied. If, they, if you're going against what Jesus said, you're wrong, period, right? And so Jesus said, nobody knows but the Father. And the Father, will, he, will send his, he will send his son to collect his church. So we don't have to worry about trying to figure it out. We just got to trust him. We got to live every day like it's the last day. We just got to love on him, right? We got to share the gospel. We got to believe that, you know what? There are people that have not heard the gospel. We need to do everything we can to get the good news in front of them. Through our life, how we live, by supporting missions and missionaries, that's how we, that's how we reach this world, right? But we got to believe and we got to know that Jesus is going to do what he said he would do. He's coming back. So we got to be prepared for that. And we got to be willing to do everything we can to reach as many as possible. And so I love this passage here, 20, Proverbs 21, 4. It says, haughty eyes, a proud heart, and evil actions are all sin. So we can become puffed up, proud, haughty, arrogant, and it's sin. And this is what I was talking about with the message. I love the way it says it. Arrogance and pride, distinguishing marks in the wicked, are just plain sin. So if you're one of those arrogant, prideful, puffed up people... It's just plain sin. I mean, it's marks. It's the marks of the wicked pretty much, right? So what we want to be is what Jesus talked about. We can go back to the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love is patient, right? Kind. I mean, we, we go down that list. You know, you know got the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I mean, you can just go, go down that list and say, all right, those are pictures of what the fruit of the spirit is in other words so those are pictures of jesus being lived out in our life and what this is is sin and scripture calls it what it is right so if we're arrogant proud boastful you know haughty those are the things that go you know what that's not that's not of god so we want to be humble we want to be meek those are some of the qualities that we see in jesus and meek is not not having power it is power under control you know it's power under control and then here's the last 
Last step, or the only one step I gave today, is to love myself as God desires. Not the way that maybe I want to in my flesh. Maybe not the way that maybe I've been taught. But say, man, I want to love myself the way that God teaches me to love myself. In a way that's balanced and healthy. That draws people to Jesus. Not so much to me. That makes much of Jesus. Not so much of me. Maybe to love myself to where I'm confident in who I am in Christ and I'm not walking around so insecure. And I'm not always beating myself up and trashing who I am. But going, God, you love me. Jesus, you love me. So I choose to love who you created me to be and who you're changing and transforming me to be. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Ask God to show you what your next step is. I think every one of us in this room, we need to let that next step be ours. You know, God, I, want to, I desire to love myself the way that you teach, the way that you desire. There may be some of you in the room that you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never received God's perfect love. You know, and some of those may, some of those reasons that you've used in the past may have been that you didn't feel like you were worthy. You're not. None of us are. Not worthy of, not worthy of what Jesus did. That's why it's called grace. But he thought you were worthy to leave heaven and come here. To die on an old rugged cross. To bleed out his precious blood to save you. Because he wanted you to be a part of his family. That's worth. Our worth comes from what Jesus did, Right? So maybe you're here today and you've never taken that step out of fear. Or maybe you just didn't feel like you were good enough or worthy. I hope that maybe today that barrier is gone. If you're watching online, if that barrier is gone. And you just say, Jesus, you thought I was worth it. Jesus, you thought... I was worth going to the cross. Jesus, you knew about me before I was ever even formed. You knew about me every day of my life. You knew what I would do. You knew how broken I would be. And you provided a way to redeem me, to restore me, to transform me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. So maybe today, if you're here in the room or maybe you're watching online, you just say, Jesus... For the first time in my life, I surrender. I trust you. I know that you love me. I know that you care about me. I know that you're not going to leave me. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you with all the faith that I have, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? I surrender. I want you to be on the throne of my life, not me. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have... I'm asking you to change me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so right now, just call out and say, Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you save me? Will you transform me? His answer is yes. 
if you just prayed that prayer, if you don't mind, just raise your hand. Anybody in the room? I know there's a lot of Christians in this room, but maybe you're here and for the first time you put your faith in Christ. Anybody, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that was me. I just prayed that prayer. I don't see any hands in the room. That tells me there's a lot of believers in here. Maybe somebody online prayed that prayer. I don't know. But I believe there's a lot of believers that are in this room that have been held captive due to insecurities. Maybe for many years you believed the lie that you're alone, you're unworthy, you're unlovable. So maybe today, for the first time, you believe what God's Word says rather than what the enemy says. And my prayer is that you not only believe it, you know that you are loved. And because he loved you, you're going to walk out of here different today. And you're going to go share that love wherever you go. And you're going to tell other people about the Jesus that saved you and that loves you. In just a minute, our our worship team is going to come and lead us in a song. Our prayer team will be here at the front. And you can come and you can pray. And there may be some of you just need to go down and lay some things down and Maybe you just need to confess some things before God. God, I've been believing the lies for way too long. It's God, I, I just want to ask you to forgive me. I want to ask you to use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. If everybody would, just stand. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for how you're at work in this room. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for loving us so much. God, help us to love ourselves today in a healthy way. And moving forward. In such a way that we give you all glory and all praise. Our worship team is going to come and lead us. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads.